How are you guys doing this morning? Hey, that's good. I've hardly started and someone's clapping me already. I, I like this. It's a good day today. <laughs> we'll just wait till we finish and see how you feel then. We had a, a fantastic time. Firstly, I know you've already been said this, but if you are new or fairly new here, welcome to church. Welcome to our church, to Circle Drive. I love, I love my church. And, uh, you know, this morning is probably going to be more of a challenge in what I say to churched people. But if you are here and you don't know Jesus, you will be given an opportunity to get to know him at the end of what I say. But what I would say is take notice of what I'm talking about. Whether you've been here one day, your first time, or whether you've been here for years and years and years. But last week we went to the lake. Yep, the lake. And uh, with my mum and dad and had a fantastic time there. The weather, God chose the weather. Uh, to bless my mum and dad. It was amazing. Um, although my mum likes it cold. She did say, I wish we could have had some snow. She's... Uh, I know, I know. You see where I get it from now, though. But uh, they're, watching, they're watching online, and it was great to have, a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, it was great to have my dad preach here, and they've loved meeting people, uh, getting, to know, yeah, getting to know the people that we talk about a lot and being in the church that they have watched just from a screen for, for the last year or so. Um, but welcome home. Welcome home to those of us that are in the room and those of you that are online as well. And over the, over the next few weeks, we're giving attention to the mission of the church. And this is where really, I guess, the challenge will come in. Because sometimes we can think of mission as what those people out there do, the specialists. People like Bear Yarbrough and his family. And, and it's, you know, they're, they're incredible people and they, they do the mission. But the challenge I want to give to every single one is, no, no, no. It's every single person. And I want you to look at your lives over the next few weeks and think, where do I and what do I need to do? But we are giving attention to the mission of the church both locally and globally over the next few weeks. And our denomination, the Alliance, has a long history, a long history of international, global mission, global advance. And that's actually what we call, call our missions work is the global advance. And next week, our missions weekend right across all the Alliance churches in Saskatoon. And this year we're sort of dipping our toe back in the water uh, as circle. But next year we are going to be engaged fully with it. But on Friday night we've got, our, we've got a, a thing for youth at Westgate Alliance. Saturday morning breakfast and workshops at Avalon. Uh, Saturday night dinner and meeting at Arendale Alliance. And you do, you do need to buy tickets for that. Uh, and then on Sunday here back in our church we have Bear with us. One of the ways which churches link into what's going on globally is, is a partnership with international workers. It's quite a, it's quite a personal partnership. Yes, it's, it's, it's a community, but community linking with the person. 
And that's called Seamless Link. Some of you who have been around a bit longer may remember that we've done this before and we're jumping back into this. And our first Seamless Link is going to be with a family, a couple, but they've got kids as well, called Ian and Rebecca. And hopefully in, in a couple of months' time, maybe the end of November, beginning of December, they're going to be here with us. And uh, yet when, when we know the exact date, make that a priority. Come and meet them because we will be linking with them and uh, being part of what they're doing in North Africa. And they've, done, they've prepared a, a bit of a video for us to introduce themselves to us. And uh, I want you to take a, take a quick look at it before we go on. Look, I will do a new thing. It springs forth now. Do you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Isaiah 43, 19. For the last three years, we've called a small city in North Africa home. A country primarily known for its desert lands, we live in the Delta region, the breadbasket of the country, where the majority of the nation's food is grown. Despite the greenery around us, the spiritual climate is dry, dark, and barren. We serve at a small hospital. In our city of 300,000, our hospital is only one of three buildings that bear the image of the cross. Entering our gates and seeking medical care is one of the few opportunities the beautiful people of our region have to encounter followers of Jesus and experience his love and compassion in their lives. We're Ian and Rebecca, and along with our kids, we have the privilege of joining our father in his work in North Africa. As a pediatrician, Ian spends his days caring for the sick, training up doctors and nurses to offer high-quality medical care, and has been invited to help the hospital leadership grow the hospital's capacity and focus its mission to be a beacon of hope in a dark place. While they come seeking physical help and healing, we trust that many will also receive spiritual healing. Through the generosity of Canadian churches, we were able to open a new seven-bed neonatal intensive care unit, NICU. Days after the final equipment arrived, a mother and father arrived in our emergency room. Cradled in their arms was their two-month-old son. He was gravely ill and in need of medical treatment. They'd been turned away from the government hospital as there just wasn't space available. While an NICU isn't designed for a two-month-old, this little boy was barely bigger than a newborn and was in desperate need of care. We made the decision to admit him to our NICU. The parents were encouraged by friends and family to abandon him or take him home to die. His little life just wasn't worth the expected cost. Typically, private NICUs are expensive, charging well beyond what this family could afford. But their love for their son was too great, and they were prepared to pay any price to spare his life. The young mother took her gold jewelry, a means of saving in their culture, and sold it all, ready for the hospital bill. Three days later, we discharged their son. He was on the mend and ready to go home. Presented with the bill, the family was visibly relieved when the total amount was significantly lower than they'd anticipated. Not only did they receive an affordable bill, but over the course of the three days in care, they were shown love, care, and compassion by the nurses and physicians. It was clear that we were concerned with more than just their son's illness. We also cared about them as people. We cared about their well-being. We cared about their emotions. Since then, despite living far away, they continue to return to our hospital for follow-up care, traveling past many other hospitals and clinics along the way. 
They come because of the trust they have in us and the love they know we have for them. Much like these parents, we know that our Father paid the ultimate price for us and for the beautiful people we serve in our community. Our desire is that these dear people would find healing, both physical and spiritual, as they encounter our Father through our hospital. We look forward to the day when we get to gather before His throne with people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and trust that many of these beautiful people we work amongst will be there with us. We look forward to partnering with you, Circle Drive Alliance, as we bring access to Jesus in a dark place. May the words of Isaiah be manifested in our city, in our region, and in our country. May rivers of life stream through the desert. Thank you for praying for us and for journeying with us. We invite you to follow along on our journey by subscribing to our monthly updates. So can I encourage you, are you able to just stop this on that? Yeah. So just get out your phone. It's the usual thing, the QR code. Just go through, grab that so you've already got it there. Because I want us to really engage with this family. We're looking at another family in a different country as well. But Ian and Rebecca, uh, I guess we've, we've looked at st getting it started with them and then engaging another family as well. Um, so this is part of who we are. It's part of Alliance. It's part of Circle. And it should be part of us as individuals as well. And uh, so that's Ian and Rebecca and the work that they, will, that they are involved in. They're actually back in Canada at the moment. So we're going to get involved with prayer. We're going to get involved with finance. And there's a way that we, the church, corporately are going to do that. But there's also a way, as we talk about it and, and get people information, there's a way that you as, and I as an individual can do that as well. And uh, so engaging with their updates, encouraging them. Uh, for various reasons, we can't say what country and we can't give their, their uh, surname, but you will get to know them personally as they come in and as you and we engage with them together. Is that okay? Why don't we stand together and pray? Father, we thank you for this house, a house where you feel at home, and I pray that every single one of us feels at home as well. God, I pray for your word as it goes into people's hearts and minds today. I pray that it won't be just another sermon on another Sunday, but God, I pray that we will, be, that we will walk away challenged, inspired, encouraged to be on mission for you, not overseas in North Africa or Asia or wherever it is, but God in our workplace, in our family, in our university. I pray for those that don't know you yet. God, I pray that something that's been done, said, shown right across our service and as people go, God, I pray that it will cause their hearts to turn to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask the question again. Are you okay to be challenged this morning? Because that's what I'm going to do. And probably over the next few weeks, you will be challenged. And hopefully, some way in every Sunday, there will be a challenge. There will be encouragement. There will be comfort. But we will walk away being challenged. Some of you know that I used to coach water skiing many, many, many years ago. 
And what I remember, and you know, even when I watch water skiing now, that most faults arise from getting the basics wrong. And I watch, I watch a lot of those water ski fails on, uh, on YouTube and things like that. And, and I can see when something's coming up. I can see because it's not when they fall generally that's the problem. It's a long way beforehand. And I can see, oh, they've got that wrong. I know doubt whether it's a jump or whether it's going through the slalom course. I know that there's going to be a problem coming very soon. A huge crash at boy three is usually because of a wrong focus at boy one. And I, I usually ask when I was coaching, I would ask, where were you looking at that point? And often, often the, the, the response would be in slalom, I was looking at that boy. Do you call it boy or buoy here? Boy. Good. No Americans in the place. Anyway, there we go. But I would ask, where were you looking? And generally they'd say, I was looking at the boy. But I would say, then you were focusing on the wrong thing. Yes, that's the thing you go round, but it's not where your focus should be. And the problem become, comes because we have a wrong focus, looking at the wrong thing. So I want to ask every single one of us, what's our focus? What's your focus? What is my focus? What are you looking at? I was talking with a another church pastor in the last couple of weeks, and we were obviously chatting about our respective kickoff Sundays, because that's a new thing for me here. I love it. I love the, the big festival that we do as churches. It's, we just didn't do that in the UK, and it's awesome. love being engaged in that. And we were talking about that, and, and, and you know, just chatting about how they were, and both of them in his church and our church were awesome. Both were lots of fun. Both had new people coming in, both to church and to the carnival. Both were a success. <laughs> and he laughed and he said, the problem was for him, he said, one of his staff was worried that, that he would be annoyed because their social media didn't reflect their kickoff Sunday in the same way that ours did. We sort of laughed about it, but the problem was... The social media person had lost sight of what the real focus shouldn't be. Yes, we want to get social media right. But if it doesn't reflect it, who cares? You see, the event itself, what was going on there, the bringing the people in, that was the real focus. That's what he should have been or they should have been looking at. I want to ask another question. What happens when we become comfortable? You see, we become comfortable or we become frustrated. There's these two, there's a, these two end, of, I guess, end of the spectrum things that happen. We become comfortable or we become frustrated. But we become comfortable or frustrated because we take our eyes off the main thing. We take our eyes off what we should be focused on. Personally, here are some of the things when I've lost focus both as a pastor and part of the congregation. I, I've looked at what is wrong and complained. So I, I, my personality, just so you know, my personality tends to find what is wrong. And I thought I was a terrible person for that. But what I've learned is I need to use that. It's just part of how I see things. So now I've learned to look at what's wrong and make changes to put things right. But... 
When I was frustrated or comfortable, I'd look at what was wrong and complain, someone should do something about it. You ever said that? I, I'm not asking because... You're doing that wrong. Someone or that, We don't do that as a church. Someone should do that. None of you would say that because you guys are perfect. I became... This, and this is strange, but it's a church thing. I became more concerned about where I was sitting than what was going on. Now, obviously, no one here would get annoyed with someone taking their seat. I looked more at what the church wasn't doing for me than what I was doing and what I was called to do in the community. I complained about the songs that the work... Again, no one here would ever do this. I complained about the songs that the worship team leader picked or didn't pick. Too new or too old. I complained about the teaching not being applicable to me and my life. Not deep enough. You see, we, when we become comfortable or frustrated, we settle. We settle into that who we are. We stop innovating and we stop moving forward. And here's the problem. We stop needing Jesus. How do I know that? Because the Bible says this. Revelation 3, 17 to 18. You say I'm rich. This is, this is one of the harshest few verses in the Bible that God speaks to a church. You say I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. I don't need anything. I'm comfortable. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Amen. I, why did you say amen when the word naked was mentioned? <laughs> I thought it was the blind part. Yeah. I'm sure. I, so rude. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Interesting there, it says buy gold. How do you buy something? By giving up what you have. The only way you buy something from a shop is by taking what you have and handing it over. This, God was saying to this church, you have something that you think is valuable. It isn't. It has no use, no value whatsoever. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to take that thing and I'm going to give you something that has real value. Don't think you've got everything. See, we stop needing Jesus when we become comfortable, when we stop being on mission. So what do we do? We have to change our focus. We have to change what we are looking at. This year as a church, we've been looking at our health, both, both personal health and corporate health. Looking at, at different areas of health. And over the last few weeks, we've actually then taken a step further and begun to look at strength within the health of who we are. But why? Why do we need strength? What purpose is there for having strength? So we can be stronger. Yes, but why? Why do we need to be stronger? There is a purpose for strength. 
Our founder, A.B. Simpson, was, was a man who tried to hold the tension between what we could term, he termed, deeper life. So the strength of our relationship, the, our, our theology, our, how we are, how close we are to Christ. But also that tension being held by missions. As we grow, as we become stronger, there has to be a purpose for that. There has to be an outworking of that deeper life. We need strength for mission. And I'm not talking about going to another country. For some of you in this place, that might be the case. God might be stirring something right at this moment in your heart that you're thinking, no, I don't want to think about that. But God will not let you go. I can guarantee it. You can ignore it. You can run away from it. You can, you can put it to one side, but God will not let that go. How do I know? Because I've done all of those. I've ignored it. I've run away from it. I've pushed it to one side. And maybe God is stirring something in you right at this moment. Whether You might be a young person or you might not be. But God might be stirring something for going to, an, to another country. But that's not everyone. It's probably a small minority of people. See, I'm talking about every single one of us speaking and bringing Jesus to the lost. I'm talking about showing the love of Jesus in your university, in your workplace, and in your family. And on each one of you, it's going to look different how that happens. I love the fact, I've reading, been reading through the Gospels, I love the fact that Jesus didn't do a miracle the same way. He spat on the ground, stirred up a bit of mud, and then put it, as a blind person, Derek, listen to me now. You've come to Jesus and said, restore my sight. And this is what you hear. <laughs> Not nice, hey. See, that, that's Jesus. That's what he did. He did other things as well. And he didn't do the same thing twice. So on our lives, how he does things and what he does is going to look very different. Showing the love of Jesus in your university, in your workplace, and in your family. Is it our job to reach the lost? Yes. Do, I, do we really believe that we can reach our city for Jesus? I don't know. I, can I be honest again? It's a stretch, isn't it? It's a stretch to, do, to reach a city, but we're called to go into the world, to reach our world. What about your neighbor? What about that guy or that woman at work that's struggling whether it's financially or just going through a divorce or just had a, a really negative doctor's report or health report. Can we, can we reach them? You see, we can look out there and dismiss that because it's way too big or it's not the call of God on our life and we can dismiss that and say, that's not me, I don't need to do that, but God has called you where you are, when you are, right now. So what are we doing about it? See, when we take our eyes off the main thing, 
When we take our eyes off mission, we become comfortable or we become frustrated. But there is a purpose for strength. I don't know if you remember a while back, it was probably even last year when I was back in the UK. I showed a couple of pictures. This first one I want you to put up. The bodybuilder. Anyone? Have we got it? I'll just get up there, John. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I have a thumbs up or a thumbs down whether this is going to work? Someone. So there, that's a picture of Derek when he was a couple of, a couple of years ago in his prime. This is a bodybuilder. Now, I'm not saying he's not strong. He's incredibly strong. But you see, there's a difference between this strength, which in essence is strength for show, and this next strength. And she is not as strong. You see, he has strength for show. She has strength to go. And we can have some incredibly strong Christians who show their strength. And then we can have some people that aren't as strong, but they, are, they know and they outwork the mission of Jesus. How amazing would it be if every single person, the strong Christian, like the previous picture, also had strength for mission as well. So I'm not saying there's no use for strength. I am saying let's have strength that's not just for show. Let's have strength for mission. What did Jesus say? Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Make disciples, baptize them. If you don't know, there was, a, I think, two or three of our youth got baptized up at, uh, up at Kadesh Camp in the cold, cold. I dipped my feet in there when I was up there last week. That was enough. Dip my toe in the water. Oh, it's cold. <laughs> They're getting fully baptized. But they're taking that step of obedience and discipleship. And I encourage you, if you haven't been baptized yet, ask the question, why not? We can do it. But Jesus said, go. 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 Make disciples. And we can dismiss that as, oh, that's the world. That's those special people again. No, no. This is for everyone. Baptize them. Teach them what I have said. What did Jesus say? You can boil everything down to two things. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two things. Love God. Love people. But he also said this. Luke 24, verse 49. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power or strength from on high. I'm going to send you, but wait. Just wait until you have 
strength. Strength for what? Strength to go. Strength for the sending, for the mission. And then in Acts 1, verse 8, he also said this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Jerusalem. That's just your neighborhood. The people that you know, the people that are like you in your street, Judea, the, the ones that are a bit further away, Samaria, those that aren't like you but are still close and to the ends of the earth, those that are neither close nor like you. You see, there is strength for mission. The Holy Spirit isn't there. You, sometimes you see the extremes, the, the, the weird stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Holy being baptized in the Holy Spirit for a very clear purpose of mission. Of mission. Both near and far. Wait for the Holy Spirit for strength to be witnesses. Now we've got lawyers in the place, a judge in the place, and they could give you a full explanation of what a witness is in court, but I could boil it down very simply in our terms to speaking out and adding weight to something else or to someone else. You see, our life and the way that we speak and the way that we act adds credibility to what the Word of God says. For many people, we know, if you're a follower of Jesus, we know, because the Bible says it, that His words are like a, a, a two-edged sword. It's the living, breathing Word of God. But for many people, it's just words on a page. But when they read or see or hear the words on the page, and then they look at our lives, it brings reality. To what happens or what's being said in the Bible. So we are promised strength from the Holy Spirit. Jesus told us what, he, what we should do, and then he said, I will give you strength to do it. All nations. All nations. That's a huge task if you've thought about that. It's a big vision. Even, even all of Saskatoon is pretty huge. We live in Lakeview. Lakeview. That, that's huge for us. But maybe not Howard who lives next door. Or Claudia and her family who live on the other side. But even that, even, even with them, there's only one way and that is through the strength of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 verse 16 gives a, a fuller meaning to this. I pray, this is Paul's prayer to, to the church, the Ephesians church. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. Strength for purpose, that word, kratos. Strength, strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And that implies strength used effectively. So it's not just a strength for show. It is saying that strength is being given to you through the Holy Spirit so that you can use it effectively to bring people to Jesus for purpose, for mission, for the great commission. It's called the great commission, not the mild suggestion, by the way. So what is it that we are to do? What do we call? What is the mission? And this is one of the verses, I think, that's or passage that is 
boundaried my life. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. All this from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, handed us, handed the baton on to us, the ministry of reconciliation, or the work of reconciliation, that God was reconciling, bringing back the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed, again, that handing over, but even more forcefully this time, committed. Not just given, but, hey, this is yours, take it. Committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's a lot of strong power words in there, implore, commit. Even that word give is a strong word. Committed to us. God is making his appeal through us. We have a mission. Ephesians 3 tells us that that strength is given so that we, and this again is Paul's prayer, so that we know how wide, long, high, how deep God's love is. So we have the strength to know the full extent of God's love for us. But that love then compels us. That's another strong word that's used there. It compels us. That love should compel us to what? To mission. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. Christ's love, what are you compelled by? What are you, what's that deep motivation of your soul? There are many things that we do. There are many avenues. There are many outworkings. But there should be something that compels us. The love of God. And maybe there are some of you here thinking, I, I don't know if that compels me. Or maybe, maybe for some of us, We've been on the road a long time and we've forgotten what happened at the beginning of our journey. We've lost focus. We've, we've, we're looking at the wrong things. We're looking not even necessarily at, at what's wrong. Maybe it's our security. Maybe it's our comfort. And we've lost focus on what we should be focusing on. This love should compel us. Do you know the best way to reignite a fire in an older Christian? And I'm not talking about chronological age. I'm talking about someone like myself who's been on the road a long time. Is to talk to a new Christian. Talk to someone that's just made a decision to follow Jesus. And look and feel the excitement that they have. Understand that they've just understood all this stuff. The Bible calls it sin. All this stuff that I've done wrong, all those, the lies and, and things that I've done. Yes, I feel guilty, but God's taken that guilt and he's thrown it away. How incredible is that? And we're going, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Talk to them. Begin to get that spark back in our lives as well because it'll begin to burn away some of the stuff that's around. 
that we've allowed to crowd in, the motivation that's got wrong, the things that we've been looking at, the wrong focus, and that spark will begin to burn that away and we'll begin to remember the love that we felt. Thank you. See, I, I want to challenge followers of Jesus, particularly those of us that have been on the road. Are we compelled by the love of Jesus? And if we're not, I get there. I get it. And I've probably been there lately. And I need to get back and understand this love should compel me, should drive me. Not just so that I can be a better person and be nice, but so that I can introduce people to that love and grace and forgiveness to a broken world. Not the world out there, but the world around me. My university, my family, my workplace. Have we allowed security and comfort or even frustration to compel us? We were designed for missio dei, God's mission, to be witnesses. And he has then empowered us, given us strength and ability to tell the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. That's called the gospel, the good news. Next year, I'm just throwing this out here now. Next year, we're going to be looking more as our vision. How do I how do I tell my story? How can I have a confidence in a world that stripped us of the confidence to tell the story of Jesus? You're religious, just keep it to yourself. That's your story, this is my truth. That's your truth, this is my truth. You're okay with your own story, but don't put it on me. You see, and slowly, inch by inch, we've been crammed into the, the pattern of the world. Bible tells us don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Next year, we're going to be looking at how do I tell my story? How do I have the confidence to talk to my, my neighbor in their brokenness about what Jesus has done in my brokenness and help me on a road to healing? The, the sin that he's forgiven in my life is the same that he can forgive in your life. There is purpose to that, to introducing Jesus to a lost and dying world. At Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power, dunamos, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the world. The ability, the strength to do what we've been asked to do and commissioned to do. See, let me say this, your salvation what you gain from Jesus, the grace that he gives, the mercy that you receive, is for you. It is for your life. It is for what God wants to do in you. He comes into you for that purpose. But everything else is for his purpose. Christianity is giving yourself for others. Jesus said that he, he, in Philippians, had the very nature of God. He didn't have to stretch for it. He had the nature of God, but he gave it up to, be, to serve, not to be served. And so we are like Jesus. 
He said, I've come to seek and save the lost. Let me go back to 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We represent him. As though God were making his appeal. Not just a passive representation, but we make his appeal. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You see, the strength that you have is not for yourself, it's for others. You can learn, you can grow, but if you are not using it, what happens to muscle when it's not used? It atrophies. Anyone that's been in hospital, anyone that's been laid up or, or had something wrong with them and they haven't been able to use their arm. I paralyzed my arm many years ago playing rugby. And it was a pretty bad, really stupid and bad. My arm paralyzed from my shoulder to my elbow. could move my arm. But what happened was... It started, my muscles started wasting away, particularly in my back, and I've still got a bit of a hole because my muscle will never grow back. Muscle not used will atrophy. You can learn all you want and do so. Go deeper into the Word of God. Learn more. But why? So that you are ready at all times to give a reason for the hope that you have in you. When was the last time that some of us gave a reason for the hope that we have? Your strength is for others. So what part of the mission are we playing? Time has gone and I'm going to finish soon, but what part of the mission are we playing? Do, do we really believe, honestly, do we believe that Jesus is the answer? The answer to What? If he's the answer, the answer to what? He's the answer to greed. He's the answer to division. He's the answer to pride, to anger, to sexual brokenness, to the effects of sin in people's lives. If he is the answer, then are we doing what he's asked? And do we really honestly believe that God wants to save your neighbors, your workplace, your university? Our city. Do, do those people that you know, do they need Jesus? And some of them have all the trappings of a great life. Nice house, cabin by the lake. Maybe a nice boat in the yard or a snowmobile. Or maybe they have all the things that show I'm successful, but inside they're just as broken as the addict that Derek and his team work with. They have just learned to hide it in different ways. See, if they really need Jesus, you're the person that God has put in their life to bring him to them. We need to ask ourselves, if the answer is yes, if I believe this, and if Jesus is the answer, What's my part? What am I doing? What part am I playing? It's not hard. Outside, there's a whole city that needs Jesus. There's a lot of people. You know some of them. They need Jesus. Maybe many of us feel that we don't have the strength to do that. If we don't, then that's why we need the Holy Spirit. He is here to build the church, 
Build it for what? To be witnesses, to make disciples, to teach people everything that Jesus taught us. Very simply. And this, is, this isn't the only answer. But simply we can ask people to come to church. Did you know that? Did you know you can ask people to come to church? That was sarcasm there, just in case you didn't get it. A church, being in a meeting is not the answer. But there is something that happens in this place and in every other church. There is something that happens when people meet together. God is there and people are confronted by their sin. People are confronted by their brokenness. But people are also confronted by the love of Jesus. Christ's love should compel us to invite people into this environment. Yes, we have had people come into this church because they found us on the internet or with a local church, but that is not how church grows. That is not how the kingdom grows. The kingdom grows by me taking a step and saying, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to talk about your love to people. It might be embarrassing. It I might get that sick feeling in my stomach, but I'm going to do it anyway. We're Christ-centered, which is, as Jesus said, for this cause I came to the earth, to seek and save the lost, to destroy the works of the enemy, to serve and not be served. We're spirit-empowered. We have strength for purpose. We are mission-focused, both locally and globally. But if mission is only global, then we leave it to the special people, the, the special forces of Christianity, the Ian and Rebecca's, but it's not. It's for every single person that calls himself a follower of Jesus. Dale, if you could come back. Are we focused on the main thing, or have we become comfortable or frustrated? We need to get the basics right. Christ's love compels us to reach our world. In our world. Here's just some figures. Stonebridge has 14,000 people and rapidly growing. It's one of the fastest growing places in the area. The University of Saskatchewan, just over there, has 26,000 students and growing. Saskatoon, the metro area, not just the city, but the metro area of Saskatoon has 337,000 people and growing. Now, some of those people need a church, but most of them need Jesus. And they should be able to find Jesus in church. We need to be unashamedly ambitious to reach our city for Jesus. And I say this with the greatest love. I love my church. I love our church. I love you. But if your focus is not that, and you are not compelled by Christ's love, you are going to find it increasingly uncomfortable with the message of this place and being 
under the sound of my voice and the other preachers. Because we are going to challenge. We're going to encourage. We're going to bring comfort where it's needed, but we're going to bring challenge where it's needed. That we are compelled to be Christ's ambassadors, to take the message of the good news of Jesus. He died for our sin. He rose again victorious so that sin was defeated. But not just that, so that we could be victorious in our life. Not nothing going wrong, but having the strength to cope when everything does go wrong. And if your focus is not reaching people for Jesus, it's going to be uncomfortable in this place. My prayer is the same as Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, that you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. See, I want to know that love. I want to be reminded of that love over and over and over again. But I want that love not just to be known for me, but I want it to compel me. I want that love to drive me so that other people can experience that same forgiveness of sin, that same healing in their brokenness. Let's pray. Jesus. Father God, I pray every, for every person with the sound of my, within the sound of my voice, whether it's in the moment or later on in the week. God, I don't want to be I don't want to be harsh, but I do want to be challenging. And I pray that you would speak to people through my words. I pray that you will have spoken to people through my words. I pray that it will be your love that challenges people out of our lethargy. Out of our comfort zones, out of our frustrations. God, I pray that we will be a church on mission. Thank you, God, for sending the people that you have already sent over the summer. But God, we want to be bringing, we want to be Andrews that bring people to you.